but some of the benefits are while the walls are open, you get to do some really cool stuff. It's not that expensive to put a 50 amp breaker near the parking so that you can install a level two charger. There's no public chargers in my area. So if you drive your Tesla and you don't stay at my place, you're kind of screwed. Also, like while the walls are open, you can hook up. I met with my contractors today and I reminded them I want the faucets next to the hot tub hooked up to the hot water supply line for the tankless water heater. So when my, when my cleaner does a drain and fill, the hot tub doesn't take six hours to heat up. You can think about, you know, your sleeping space. It's cheap to put televisions in all the bedrooms now. So go ahead and put the outlet where the television's going to go. So you don't have dangling cords. Like my, that, that kind of stuff drives my OCD crazy. Welcome to Short-Term Rental Solutions, a show for hosts and property managers looking to overcome obstacles, maximize revenue, and optimize their short-term rental business by learning from the innovators who are designing the solutions that are shaping our industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's show. We are talking about the decision of whether to build a short-term rental property or buy an existing property. And if you are looking to grow a portfolio as a real estate investor or as like an owner operator, this is a question that you may face, especially if you're planning to look at investing in new markets. And so today we have with us Shane O'Donnelly, who is a real estate agent, but also real estate investor and has gotten into finding and developing his own short-term rental properties. So he's the perfect guy to be having this conversation with. Shane, welcome to the show. Hey, Christine. Glad to have you. Can you just take a second to introduce yourself and kind of where you invest and the journey that you're on and in with short-term rentals? Sure. So again, I'm Shane O'Dolly. I'm a, I'm a realtor in central Kentucky. I had some long-term rental properties and I started hearing some buzz about short-term maybe two years ago. Actually, before that, I'd stayed in Airbnbs and I like the experience better. I prefer it to a hotel room. You can cook your own meals, accommodate larger groups where you, you have a common space. So that appealed to me. Then I started to dig a little deeper and I noticed the returns on short term were far outpacing what I could get in long term. Now, the property I had didn't really meet what I would call short term rental criteria. So I started looking in uh, local vacation markets. And the first one I looked at was Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville down in Tennessee. Very Ten popular. Million- yeah, 10 million visitors a year. I uh, went there as a kid. I've been there as an adult. But I was getting a little bit of sticker shock. To me, at the time, it was it was during COVID. There was a short-term boom, short-term rental boom. People weren't going to stay in hotels with other people. They didn't want their germs. So made sense. And the market reflected that. And I wasn't in a position where I was ready to pay $500 a square foot for a 20-year-old cabin that's I didn't really want anyway. So... I started looking closer to home. I found out more about this area called the Red River Gorge. It's about an hour from my house. It's 30,000 acres. It's a popular geological area. It has all these natural arches and and world-class climbing. So I actually went to look at an A-frame. I like A-frame styles. It ended up not being on the market. So I talked to the developer. He had some land available. I really liked the development. So I thought, hell, I'll just build. Found a plant. I found a plan I liked. I lean more towards the Scandinavian style monoslope roof. First one I built, it was a, it was a tri-level, four bedroom, two bath, big game room, 
hot tub, just a cabin in the woods. That one, all in with construction, well, the land purchase and furnishings, I was in it for about 360. Wow. Yeah, it's it around 2,000 square feet. So I had the contractor really sharpen his pencil on that one. But uh, I, when I built my performance, I thought I'd do maybe 70,000. It launched last December on pace to do 90, 95,000. So my biggest month so far was July where I did 12 grand. October is going to be close to that. So it's been, it's been a blessing. The thing that where I knew I was really onto something, the 10 days between Christmas and New Year's, I did $4,500. That's great. And my long-term rental, which didn't cost as much, you know, I was making 1600 bucks a month in rent. It's like, man, I'm a genius. So, yeah, I feel like a rock star. Yeah, yeah. You know, was it uh, the A-team? I love it when a, plan, when a plan comes together. That's right. That's right. So, you know, I think that your story and your journey really resonates with a lot of people. You know, there definitely are, you know, enterprise level property management companies and people who have really deep pockets that are investing. But then there's also people who are kind of in the more mid-range and looking to really stretch their investment dollars a little bit further. And so are really open to looking into kind of alternative markets where they can invest in. So take us on a little bit more, give us a few more details on what that analysis looked like for you. And, you know, when someone's thinking of building versus buying, like what really swung the pendulum and made you think that, yeah, this, this really probably does make sense. And you know, I'm thinking that there's some takeaways that we can learn from that journey and that analysis that you went through that'll really be helpful for a lot of people. I was fortunate where I could be a, a little more hands-on in the build process. You know, I'm I'm hanging ship lap, I'm staying decks, I'm, I'm cracking the whip when the whip needs cracked. So in that vein, it was easier for me to to get what I wanted by building. The, the style that I want is becoming more popular in this area. So there are some, some builds that may become available, but there aren't really spec builders. So most of them are build to suit for their customer. And nope, there's not a lot of people really leaving, leaving the market. The, the analysis also included what I thought about appreciation. It's not just whether or not I'm going to make our principal interest taxes and, and Principal insurance, taxes and insurance. Yeah, covering um, those carrying yeah. costs on a monthly yeah. basis. And the first one I actually built built with cash, so I didn't have debt service. So, so that really helped the pro forma. I knew it, it was going to be. I knew from the start that I wanted to self manage. I, I, I didn't want to give thirty to thirty five percent to a management company. Now, some people, and I've got clients, they just want mailbox money. They want to be able to diversify their portfolio out of residential and commercial into short term. And that's, that's great. Or that's, that's fine. Everybody's got different goals. Others, they want to squeeze every dime out of it. They can't. And if they want to self-manage, yeah, I like, I like to see my, my team do well. I, I'm, I'm always trying to get new clients for my cleaners, my handymen. And I, you know, I'm the weirdo that they could talk about this stuff all day and enjoy teaching people how to build a tech stack. Or how to how to how to automate some of the more mundane tasks so you do get some of that freedom back. But what I what I found and and just skip board a little bit. Now I'm 
uh, owner manage eight properties. It's been a little over a year. I'm onboarding two more next month and a number and another one December 1st. That's great. And I've got two cabins under construction now next to the first one that I built that should be, should be done around the end of the year. That's great. So, I mean, how are you analyzing these? How are you knowing that, you know, this makes sense, you know, for that person that's looking at a market, they're like, should I build? Should I buy? Well, what, are, the, what are the, how does it break down? Yeah. One thing that's, if it, if it was an existing rental, and I'll give you a, an example of one, it had a, it was, it was a two-year-old construction. I really, I really dug the design of it. It was a two bedroom, two bath. It was purchase price was around half a million. It did 82,500 last year with average management. I mean, they do okay. The roads to get there aren't the greatest. Probably needs to be called like an adventure retreat. We've got a big Jeep culture down here, a lot of trucks. So it's not a deal breaker, but, but when you have like a, a trailing 12 months of rental data, that makes it easier for the underwriters when you, when you do get, when you do apply for financing, when there is no data, if it wasn't an SDR on the market, you have to look at the comps. AirDNA gives us a starting point. I think the, the rentalizer where you just type in an address is right now it's pretty, pretty useless. I actually put my own address in before I, before I hopped on this to see what our DNA was saying. Said I'd do 40, 40, 44,000. That's, that was their projection. For that property that you built? Yeah. And then, I and then I noticed, well, they had it set. They, well, first of all, they couldn't find it on the map. So right. then they had it as a two bedroom, two bath. I changed it to a four bedroom, two bath with up to eight occupancy. And it went from 44,000 to 46,000. I'm like, this is just, this is crazy. Yeah, um, you were you were probably breaking the breaking the software because it's comping to those older, you know. Well, it's it's an app. It's properties. Right. It doesn't it. It doesn't account for taste, so it it should it should know by my address what my actual bookings were and what I did. I dig, I dug a little deeper and then I found that it did actually have two listings. It had one Airbnb at a Verbo listing. The average daily rate was, they weren't identical. The occupancy was pretty close, but it had one at 46,000 and the other one at 47,000, which gets me close combined. It gets me closer where I, where, where I actually am. So you need to look at look at the top properties, look at the days on market, look at the number of reviews. If it has less than 30 reviews, it probably doesn't have a full year of data to go by. And most of those files, you can download the CDS file and really dive deeper into the numbers where it'll show you, it'll segment it by the 50th percentile, the 75th, the 90th percentile. So then you can gauge whether this property is probably a mid-range property, whether it's a budget property or whether, you know, it's, it's an exceptional luxury property. Yeah. So that starts to fuel kind of the, the analysis and projections, which you can build for a new construction project. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you in the sense that whether you're using air DNA or there's a handful of other market intelligence tools out there on the market, what you're really looking for is kind of deciding what tier your property is likely to fit in by kind of looking at what's already out there in that particular market or region and comparing what you 
project your build is going to look like and how you anticipate furnishing it. You know, kind of figuring out that tier, seeing how similar properties are performing. And if you are really kind of, I mean, it would be fabulous if you could find a market where you could put out a high-end property and really not have a ton of competition, then, you know, you know that you can kind of be skewing on the higher end of what that region is producing for your projections. So that's great. That's great. So it sounds like basically that was the fundamentals of your initial analysis. Is that right? Yeah. And, and when I'm working with clients, I try to build out at least three pro formulas because the X factor is the client. I don't know if they're going to, if, if they're purchasing at the top of their budget and they're planning on furnishing it with yard sale furniture or whether they're going West Elm or whether they're using West Elm or a professional designer. I don't know if they're going to take cell phone photos or if they're going to use professional photography with drone footage. I don't know if they're, how their reviews are going to be for cleanliness. All that, all that affects your occupancy. Absolutely. And and drives your ADR. Absolutely. So, I mean, when we're thinking of new construction, if you've, I mean, if if a listener here has, you know, maybe you built a private residence, one of your homes are new construction, you've already been through that process. You kind of know what you're getting into, but you know, are there any nuances to construction where you're thinking of a short-term rental hidden costs that, you know, may be different or you, you know, kind of the unique aspects that you might run into when building purpose, purpose specific for a short-term rental? Things that you want to pay attention to is, is guest experience. Is there a level piece of ground where you could build an entertainment, an outdoor entertainment area? What's the parking lot, parking like? Are, are you going to have, are you going to be able to accommodate enough cars for the occupancy? If you're in an area like mine, can you accommodate a trailer? Because people bring side-by-sides and, and Jeeps. But some of the benefits are while the walls are open, you get to do some really cool stuff. Like you can, it's not that expensive to put a 50 amp breaker near the parking so that you can install a level two charger. There's no public chargers in my area. So if you drive your Tesla, and you don't stay at my place, you're kind of screwed. Also, like while the walls are open, you can hook up. Uh, I met with my contractors today and I reminded them I want the faucets next to the hot tub hooked up to the hot water supply line for the tankless water heater. So when my, when my cleaner does a drain and fill, uh, the hot tub t- doesn't take six hours to heat up. So you can, you can think about, you know, your, your sleeping space. You know, it's cheap, it's cheap to put televisions in all the bedrooms now. So go ahead and put the outlet where the television's going to go. So you don't have dangling cords. Like my, that, that kind of stuff drives my OCD crazy. That's, that's a great piece of advice. Yeah, that's perfect. Timelines. You know, one of the advantages to buying a pre-existing home is you buy it, you flip some furniture, do a couple of things and your listing's live. So obviously we're going to put a little asset money. Yeah, we're going to put an asterisk on this because, you know, build times and things can vary. But when we think about, you know, the timeline that a new construction project might have, you know, what did it look like for you? And and when you think about carrying costs, you know, break that down a little bit for us. So carrying costs, mine, I do, I do con- commercial construction to firm loans. You're only paying, paying the interest on the amount that you've drawn so far. So you draw it out in little chunks as the project proceeds. 
And actually it's, I get 12 months of interest, basically interest only payments, even at, even after, you know, it's completed, you have to, you have to really scrutinize whichever, whatever career you hire, talk to former yeah. clients, if they'll let you, you know, walk through those houses, see if, see if they, if they, if they missed like the small touches that make it exceptional. The, the financing part wasn't, I mean, it's not that arduous. Uh, I prefer to work with small local banks because some of the, some of the larger banks, the terms may be a, a little better, but you do have headaches on one end when they want to come out and do a site site inspection or, you know, right before closing, it gets, the financing gets deemed because they can't find it on Google maps because they don't know it's a private drive in central Eastern Kentucky. So what, one thing I have noticed about building versus buying when you, when you buy, you, you kind of set the value of what that property is worth because that's what you just paid for it. When you build, you get a pre-appraisal based where they estimate what they think it's going to be worth and the bank is funds usually 80% of it. But if you bought the land with cash, that's your down payment. But once you're done, depending on how you finished it, now you're getting a new appraisal with at the current market value. And for example, that last one that I mentioned, it appraised at $406 a square foot. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't cost me anywhere near that to build. If somebody wanted to give me $406 a square foot right now, I'd probably help them move in. But you know, that instant equity at the end of this, you know, sometimes difficult process made it worth it. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. And a really good point because depending on what you're planning to build, you can be moving the needle on your net worth pretty quickly by doing a great job in the planning and executing of building a short-term rental property and then compound that, you know, think 12 months in, now you've got your first year of rental revenue, you know, numbers and mm -hmm. it just goes from there. So. Yeah. And it's, it's way easier to do a, do a cost seg study to accelerate your depreciation if you actually know how much you spent on the HVAC unit and the yeah. cabinets and the flooring and the fixtures. Excellent point. Absolutely. So, you know, you've told us that you built that first one and you're building a couple more. Are mm -hmm. you doing anything different the second time around? Are there are lessons, are there lessons that were learned the hard way maybe, or things that you realize you could improve efficiencies with? between the first project and now these subsequent ones that can be, you know, help us, help us a little bit in case we're, if we go down this road, we can learn from some of the things that you learned. It needs to be, there needs to be something unique about it, whether design or location, that's really going to, going to drive the rates. I, I decided to build these next two concurrently rather than consecutively because the one, the proximity to my other house and the proximity to these lots where it was going to be, I, I wanted to minimize disturbance or disturbing guests. Also, I think when you hire one crew to do two builds, you know, the framers are on site, they can knock them both out. The drywallers are on site, they can knock them both out. The electricians on site. So you get a, a small economy of scale. What I would have done differently with the first one, I think I would have broken up some of the drywall and added a little bit more warmth in hindsight. It feels a little cold. I probably would have add, added a few more can lights, but other than that, I was pretty happy with it. I'll tell you one thing I wish I had known because I started, I started it well, 
the spring hadn't started yet. So the leaves, leaves that hadn't budded and we got it framed up. We got the roof on and I noticed there was a dead tree leaning over the cabin. So what would have cost me 50 bucks to fell that tree if uh, before uh, we started on the foundation ended up costing me $2,500 to hire a couple of squirrels to climb it and chop it down in sections. That was a mistake. That was on me. So that I definitely pay attention to now. Yeah, that, that makes great sense. So, you know, one of the things with, you know, I was going to ask you about smart technologies and stuff, but I, you already mentioned, you know, putting in the charging capacity for electric vehicles, making sure you wire for TVs, any other things that you can think of that as far as smart home or technologies and a property amenities that you can kind of plan for in that construction phase. Well, I, I mean, I'm always thinking about the future. I, I ran cat six to all the TV locations also because my plan was I was going to stream, but once AT&T hooked up my internet, I found out I get 10 meg. That's not, that's not a lot. So they're, they're going to be putting in fiber by next summer, but I had to switch to, I had to call an audible and switch to satellite dish and hope I had one on the side to the sky. I think. Whether you self-manage or you hire a management company, you need eyes, ears, and noses on the property all the time. You need uh, Wi-Fi locks so that you can provide unique codes. And I'll tell you just a quick story. A friend of mine was in Nashville last weekend, and uh, they had rented an Airbnb. Him and his wife, they go to bed. He wakes up in the morning, and there's a fraud alert from American Express. So he goes to check his wallet. His wallet's gone. His Rolex is gone. His wife's jewelry bag's gone. He contacts the host and the host checks the lock records and somebody had gotten in there at three o'clock in the morning and they were in there for at least 20 minutes and they just robbed it. Wow. And the host said, oh, sorry, my camera didn't work. Well, that's, that's not acceptable. I've got a feeling that host wasn't using unique codes, which expire when they check out. And so it was probably a former guest who knows from when that gained access to rob, to rob my friend. So you have to protect the guests. I, I do that with cameras. I do that with, uh, unique codes. I also protect my property and my client's properties with things like, uh, like a minute detector. It's, it's noise detection software or some noise detector looks like a smoke alarm. It actually also detects smoke. It, it makes it measurable so that you can, if you have an enhanced cleaning fee, you you can feel comfortable without char- charging it because you have proof and it sends warnings when decibel levels like exceed a certain amount during your quiet hours. Using these types of technology helps keep it safe. Other, other things I use are stay, uh, stay and that's so that I can create a wireless access point so that there's a splash page. When somebody comes, you just put in your email address and you've got access to the internet while you're there. That allows me to capture the uh, email addresses for all the adult occupants. Right. And I can do uh, drip marketing to either those people directly or to people that look like those people. Yep. That's great. Yeah. I mean, a lot on the electrical side. If you know you're going to have some ring cameras, get that electrician to hardwire in yeah. the camera power, you know, while you're still in that construction phase. It, you know, people who have, who purchase a existing property, they're calling the electrician in to run that wiring and get that set up. And sometimes your camera might end up in 
a less than ideal position because you're just having to work with, you know, kind of the access that they can provide as far as an electrical mount. I actually experienced that firsthand on one of my <laughs> companies. So yes, true life experience there. So, you know, one of the things that appeals to some people and one of the reasons that people sometimes choose to book an Airbnb versus a hotel is that experience of feeling like at, at home and this kind of lived in property experience. Do you feel like there's any issues with new construction versus buying an existing home with still being able to provide that same warmth and homeliness? I think you could do that with the way you furnish it and the artwork and the, and the decor. I don't think it needs to be worn to be homey or comfortable. One thing you need to, any, any potential investor needs to think about is who is their guest avatar. Right. You can't be all things to all people. So is it the 35 to 55 year old mom that has kids and usually makes decisions about where you're going to go on vacation? Is it the hardcore climbers and hikers? Like what's going to be important to, important to them and then market it to them. And if you do that well, and if you do that better than anyone else in your, in your, in your market, you're going to crush. Yeah. No two ways about it. So when I mean, again, you've gone through this journey a couple of times now and you're mid midstream here mm -hmm. as we speak. So someone who is thinking, okay, this really good points here that Shane made here today, maybe I do want to look at a build for my next property when I'm looking to expand my portfolio. I need to find a good realtor. I need to find a good contractor. Where do we go? What can you tell us there? Well, I... I think it's always helpful to have the end goal in mind. If you can get inspiration from Instagram or of what type of structure you want to build, um, if you can find that, that structure, or if you can find it like through an existing home plan, you'll, you'll have something that you can hand a contractor to at least get a bid out, something that you can hand your bank to see, you know, is this something that I can get underwritten? Just investigate investigate, investigate your contractors. Don't pay too much up front. Don't let that first draw be 50% of your total build cost. If you can, I'd avoid cost plus construction. It, there's no- if people aren't familiar with that, explain what you mean by that. So some builders, they'll, they'll charge you the actual costs of materials and labor, and then they'll tack on 20% for their fee to to oversee the construction of the gen as the general contractor. Most builders don't employ all the, all the, all the trades to complete the house. They sub that, they subcontract that work out. I prefer, you know, fixed price contracts. You know, here, here's the blueprints. Here's the electrical plan, the HVAC plan. Here's the foundation plan, the roofing plan, the framing plan, bid, bid out the materials bid out the labor and the price is the price. And this is the draw schedule. These are the phases of completion that you have to satisfy before you're eligible for the next draw. Sure. I'm going to check it. My bank's going to check it before they release the funds. I think it's a better agreement for, for all parties involved. The contractor doesn't have an incentive to, to be wasteful. Yeah. Well, I think that that, that comment you made about have kind of predetermined draw intervals and, you know, assessing the phases of completion. And if people can follow that, <laughs> it will save 
so many tears and heartache and hiccups because that's where construction can go sideways is, you know, your contractor keeps saying, oh, I need this money. I need this money. And, you know, things aren't progressing in line with the amount of money or the time that this money is being taken. So having a really close pulse on that, it's huge. Right. And, and, and on the front end, take a look at the allowance schedule. Most contractors, you'll, you'll have an allowance, uh, allowance for cabinetry, flooring, light fixtures, plumbing fixtures, ceiling fans, and then just go to Lowe's and see if that's reasonable. Say your flooring allowance is $4 a square foot. Well, you're probably, that probably puts you in the range of LVP flooring rather than, you know, an exotic hardwood. So right. you have to know that, know that on the front end. And if it's not, if you want the exotic hardwood, don't make it a change order. Just negotiate it on the front end to bump up your allowances. Yeah, exactly. All right. So finally, Shane, if there's one piece of advice, what one piece of advice would you give someone who's, you know, considering this building versus buying for their short-term rentals? Like a closing piece of advice. Building versus buying. If you want to buy, it's it's going to be difficult to find, like, the perfect house. Maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe if you're interested in renovating, which we didn't talk about. Um, That's like a whole other show, right? Yeah, yeah. If if you want to rent, if you were interested in renovating, that's that's a good compromise between the two. You get it online quicker, but once you open up walls, who knows what you're going to find. And it comes down to personal choice. It, for me, it would be difficult for me to manage a bill in California. If you're going to do a bill, proximity probably matters. If you're going to buy, I would probably, I would want to hone in on what area I'm interested in investing in. Is this going to be a lifestyle asset? Is, if I love the beach, do I want to buy a beach property so I have a place to go anytime I want? Or is this just a straight investment where you either milk every penny out of it you can or you let somebody else handle all the headache and the 4 a.m calls and you just get mailbox money right right shane thank you so much i really appreciate the you know things you shared with us this is a decision that people who are serious about this industry are going to it's a decision they're going to face multiple times as they grow their portfolio and as they look at various markets and man, I, we could have kept going because there's a half a dozen other things that come to mind when I think about the decision of buying versus building. But it really, I mean, if you haven't felt the confidence to consider building your next short-term rental property as opposed to just scrolling through Zillow, take a minute after listening to Shane here and his experience and have another look at the markets that you're considering investing in. Have a look at the land that's available on Zillow and get some information about what building costs tend to run for that particular market, because you may be surprised and you may find that it makes a lot of sense to build. And you could potentially be, you know, come out of that process with a property that really stands out among the local competition and performs very well. And as Shane mentioned, gives you kind of instant equity at closing when you complete that project. One of the tip I thought of, Talk to your local lenders because they're going to have a blacklist of contractors they just won't work with. So that's easy. To, they, they, they've seen it all. They're a great resource. Also, whoever your local, local agent is or whoever you choose to work with, they should have a pretty good perception 
of what local reputations are. And some of these new developments, they may have preferred builders. So. Yes, that's great. Well, and we didn't even go there. I keep dragging this on. I thought I was close to the But No, it's fine. I was like thinking an insurance. Make sure you start having conversations about insurance way up front. Because given, you know, where you may be looking at to invest, insurance is getting to be a really big deal. Finding high quality insurance for short-term rentals. There are some short-term rental and commercial real um, insurance companies that don't even lend in certain markets. So yeah, so much to be thinking about. And I, I'm confident that this show provided a ton of value. So thank you again so much, Shane. I really enjoyed having you join us. He's on. It's fun. Awesome. Great. Thank you, everybody. Be sure to join us next week when we have another conversation with the innovators who are designing the solutions that are shaping our industry. And Shane is one of those solutions. Fantastic realtor. If you're looking at investing in that Kentucky market, we'll make sure that we provide all his contact information in the show notes. But Shane, just give a shout out real quick. How can people find you? You can email me at shane at savvy.realty. S-A-V-V-Y. Perfect. All right. Thank you again, Shane, and thank you everybody for listening. Tune in next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you could spare a moment, please leave the show a quick review. Your review helps us help more hosts and property managers like yourself. By the way, if you're a realtor, lender, bookkeeper, accountant, interior designer, or other professional who specializes in serving the short-term rental industry, we need to get you listed on STR Hub and start spreading the word about your services. So reach out to me via email, christiane at strhub.com. Thanks again for listening and be sure to join me next time to catch my latest conversation with the innovators designing the solutions that are shaping our industry.